0: Tony Hines here. You're listening to the News Roundup on the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Well, it's great to be here. Well, spring in the air, sunshine, lighter days, summer on the way. Sounds good, doesn't it? Chain Chain reaction. Reaction Now, did you ever wonder what's in the label? Labels in our normal daily existence we don't give much attention to. Labels are very important in supply chains because they carry data and information about the goods being transferred across borders. But of course, since the UK exited the European Union, labels have been quite important in the movement of goods from Europe into the UK. And many of the labels carry quality checks on the Goods being transferred. And they provide information to HMRC, to customs, on the imports and what's in the package, whatever that might be. And of course, there are health checks for the food industry. Now, many of these checks were carried out by EU companies, and the cost was incurred by the company sending the goods. But since Brexit, those costs have been borne by the importer, having to do Extra checks as a consequence of the normal checks that would have happened pre-Brexit in the European Union. I read a report this week. It was called Under the Radar, Why the UK's Imports are at Risk After Brexit. And it was written by Chris stokel Walker. And it was in the Raconteur supply chain special that they publish independently, but also it's available with the Times on Sunday. And he said two and a half years ago, the British public was told that the EU withdrawal agreement was an oven-ready deal. Barriers to trade, which had become a bogeyman for those who opposed Brexit, wouldn't be an issue. Industry could continue as normal without any supply chain disruption. Well, we all know that that's not the case. It's been a mess. And he basically says that goods moving from Great Britain to the European Union now simply largely seem to have stopped inspections on goods coming into Great Britain. Now, he seems to say that the EU isn't carrying out the inspections on goods coming into Britain anymore. And the focus has been on the latest negotiations about the Northern Irish border arrangement, the Northern Ireland Protocol. And so while Whitehall have been focused on that, Supply chain standards, more generally, have been left to wither on the vine. And it's a problem for business, reliant on global supply chains. And he quotes the example of the food industry. Brexit has meant that we've become divorced from the European food safety and food fraud monitoring systems. And the irony for the Brexiteers, he says is that despite all the grousing about the EU's failings, it was to mainland Europe we had outsourced many of the vital safety checks and goods coming into the UK. So they actually did a good service for all the goods coming into the UK. So lots of gripes and it hasn't helped. They didn't look at this rationally. And it goes on to say that it's not just food safety checks at risk, But customs checks don't just establish whether health and safety standards have been followed by manufacturers. They also help with aspects of compliance, tax management and supply chain visibility. And we've lost much of that. So the standards that we'd reached with the available information and all these checks being done has just been lost. And to use Chris Stoker Walker's words, withered on the vine. But of course there might be legal repercussions as... Businesses import products which mightn't have been tested and come into the country. They're still liable for any consequences of the safety aspects or the health aspects of the goods coming in. So these checks need to be set up and worked through properly. So now we've got to duplicate things. We have to set up parallel and independent checks of the supply chain, including accounting for tracking movement of the goods coming into a business. And that's what... uh, People are pretty miffed about. Now, the big retailers already will be doing that because they don't want any repercussions from from this. So, another Brexit problem. And of course, friction is the real issue. And I've been talking about friction for a long time. And we've just increased it, and we've done nothing about it, and nobody cares. But just think about this. Next time you go and you purchase goods, and you find those goods coming from Europe to Great Britain, If the price has gone up, you know why. It's because of Brexit. Brexit inflation to cover the cost of all these parallel systems that added friction to the supply chains. Now, this means, of course, that there is a risk to importers, distributors and retailers from poor quality products that could come into the UK. It might affect brand reputation and it could lead to legal actions as well. The liability doesn't go away if people do checks. But if you import products that haven't been tested, and they haven't met particular regulations, then of course, that's problematic. Reputation and legal threat will, of course, impact profitability. And if you get claims against the company because the checks haven't been done, as they should be, or worse, something happens from one of these unchecked products entering the market and the customer becomes ill as a result of for example, a food quality check not being done to the standard, then that could be a serious issue for the company, the reputation, and, of course, to the profit. Big retailers pride themselves on making sure that these checks are done properly. Now, something else that's been quite interesting to watch over the past couple of years as COVID took hold... And supply chains were encouraged to become more resilient because of the threats from pandemic and, of course, the Brexit situation and all the disruptions that that's caused. And, of course, many responded by simply putting more investment into inventory. And so what happened over the time period From 2019 onwards, is that average inventories for many manufacturers increased substantially, and in some cases, they more than doubled. So, these bigger inventories have certainly improved fulfillment times in some cases, but they've cost a great deal of money and profitability during the period has actually fallen. So, the bigger inventories don't necessarily mean more profit, and of course, it does mean more risk. Because if you can't get rid of the inventory, then you're going to certainly suffer as a consequence. And some of the biggest inventory has been held by clothing and footwear manufacturers, energy chemicals, construction. And of course, as that inventory increased, the profits actually began to fall. In clothing and footwear, inventories increased by about 57%, while the profitability fell by about 82%, as an example. So investing in inventory to have resilient supply chains doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be more profitable, but you might be able to fulfil the demand more easily. No interest rates have gone up by a quarter of a percent, both in the United States and in the United Kingdom this week, to fight inflation. So the interest rates in the UK at the moment are 4.25. In the United States, it's about the same. It's 4.5 to 4.75 the range, I think. The Latest inflation figures were published this week in the United Kingdom. CPI had risen unexpectedly to 10.4%, and most of that was down to food products. So cost-of-living crisis is still a problem. Now, the interesting story in the United States this week was about uh, TikTok. And the TikTok CEO has been put on the spotlight by the US questioning the safety aspects of TikTok. They're concerned that it's a security threat. But it's part of a bigger geopolitical spat and argument that's going on with China generally. And there's been some concern over their technology for some time, that the technology might be spyware and So we'll have to see if that's going to be big risk or it's going to be reduced. We'll see what the CEO has to say about that. Xiaojie Chu is the chief executive, and he testified before a House Energy and Commerce Committee on Capitol Hill to Congress, how he can safeguard American data privacy. The lawmakers are convinced that the Chinese-owned short video app should be barred for being a tool for the Chinese Communist Party and because it might carry content that can harm children's mental health. It was interesting, too, that uh, government officials have been asked not to use TikTok on their phones or devices and a similar Directive came out in the UK last week to prevent government departments and staff in government departments from having TikTok on their devices. Both Republican and Democrats raised numerous concerns about the potential threat to US national security by sharing data with the Chinese government. The CEO tried to reassure the interrogators that this was not the case and that all data is stored on systems in the US, and of course it's partnered with Oracle. But we'll have to see how this one plays out, and what the impact will be. Just over a week ago, it was the SVB bank that uh, had hit problems in California because of its investment in bonds, and the bond price was impacting their ability to remain liquid, and there was a run on the money on the bank. So as that crisis disappears, there's a new one this week, as UBS takes over Credit Suisse, and that bank has had difficulties for some time. It emerges in the news this week, so uh, everybody's rushing to give assurance that this is not a crisis in the banking sector, it's not systemic, but it is of concern, of course, to customers of those banks. Well, you'll recall that the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank just over a week ago was caused by it trying to raise $2.25 billion, about £1.9 billion, and this was to plug losses by the sale of assets and they were mainly US government bonds which were affected by higher interest rates. But this caused investors and customers to withdraw money from the bank and that put pressure on the bank to try and raise liquidity without success. And that's why the bank faltered. The Silicon Valley Bank began business in 1983 and it grew rapidly with lots of loans to tech companies, in and around Silicon Valley and beyond, as time expanded. But the pressure came from these higher interest rates set by the US government in the bond department. Essentially, that caused the withdrawal of deposits as the bank struggled to plug the liquidity gap. And of course, it sent ripples of concern through the whole banking sector. But Regulators were keen to make it clear that this wasn't systemic in the banking sector. It was just a one-off. The Bank of England said Silicon Valley Bank UK would stop making payments or accepting deposits in the interim and the move would allow individual depositors to be paid £85,000 from the UK's deposit insurance scheme. SVB UK has only a limited presence in the UK and is not critical to supporting the financial system, the Bank of England said. But it's a major blow to tech companies who have used SVB for their banking requirements. Accenture, one of the world's largest consulting firms, this week reported lower-than-forecast profits. And as a consequence, they've decided to cut 2.5% of the workforce, which is about 19,000 people and their jobs at risk, mainly in IT functions, to try and increase profitability and cut cost. So yet another indicator that the tech sector generally is not doing particularly well and consulting firms are feeling the pinch. Now I came across a World Trade Organization chart that described the long term GDP effect of decoupling the global economy through friend-shoring. And it set it out quite nicely. It made it quite clear that it would seriously hurt global GDP, gross domestic product. And the global effect on the chart, they said it would be minus 7% for China, minus 4% for the EU, minus 9% for India, minus 4% for Japan, minus 10% for Russia, minus 1% for the United States, minus 3% for other developed nations, and for developing nations, minus 7%. Now you'll recall that this idea of friendshoring is something put forward by the United States administration, and it's a particular interest of Joe Biden as part of his resilience drive. He wants to make the United States more resilient, and he thinks friendshoring is a way to go. Now for the United States, that may be the case because they're only impacted by 1%, a fall of 1%. And so you can see why the United States might implement that policy. That, of course, assumes that the estimates by the World Trade Organization are accurate. And it depends what assumptions have gone into the measures that have developed that chart. But it would certainly change the balance in the trading patterns and in global supply chains. And it would mean a lot more state interference by governments around the globe to control the flows of trade. Historically, of course, we know that that hasn't gone particularly well because it adds, again, friction to supply chains and it stops the free enterprise that many people desire. It's almost a year ago now. It was May 2022 when the International Monetary Fund said social unrest is rising, adding to risks for global economy. They said that after a pause in popular protest during the first year of the pandemic, people are returning to the streets. Well, nothing is more certain than in France this week, as there are protests against the change to the pension regulations and... President Macron is coming under severe pressure to about turn. So lots of social unrest. But you can see it right across the piece. There have been anti-government demonstrations in some advanced economies where unrest was relatively rare, such as Canada and New Zealand even. And certainly there is a lot of unrest about in the workplace and people feeling the impact of the cost of living, and inflation. And so, presently, lots of strike actions too, by different public sector workers, by the medical profession and the teaching profession, university lecturers, trains, and other transport groups. So, this is likely to increase as matters get worse unless the governments take action to resolve some of the cost pressures that populations in key areas are feeling presently. When there is social unrest, of course, it finds its way to supply chains through disruption, and that's what's happened. So lots of supply chains have been disrupted by strikes, by social groupings and gatherings and protests, and of course inflation and cost pressures add to the problems. And the port of Hamburg... This week was impacted with strike action. On Wednesday, Verdi, the union representing tugboats and bridge operators amongst other critical public service jobs at the port of Hamburg, announced a strike. So Germany's largest port, Hamburg, HPA, it was less than a year ago when the devastating impact of dockworker labour strikes caused congestion at the port for months. On Wednesday, if the tugboat and bridge operators begin to strike, they want 10.5% more salary, or at least 500 euros. That's about $550 for the month. Germany is the largest economy, and inflation is the problem. So this is an example of the cost of living impacting the supply chain. The next round of talks to try and resolve the dispute will begin on Monday, and last until the 29th of March. They take place in Berlin, so let's hope there's a solution. On Wednesday this week, FedEx made additional cuts to its express unit last quarter, and this is amid stagnant demand, and they desire to create right-sizing. So these cost-cutting measures have included a reduction in flight hours by 8%, cutting salaries and benefit expenses by 4%, and grounding nine aircraft. The company said it hopes to mitigate 45% of its total revenue decline as a consequence of doing these things. FedEx is also phasing out its MD-11 aircraft as the company tries to reconfigure its air network in favour of modern, agile and flexible aircraft. They want to use 7.7s and 7.6.7s from Boeing. So big changes as companies try to rebalance their supply chain. Logistic companies, of course, are at the sharp end of companies elsewhere, rebalancing their supply chains and changing their modes of delivery. And they have to fit in, balance, reschedule, replan, repurpose. And that's what's happening here with uh, FedEx. Well, thanks for dropping by and listening to the News Roundup on the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I'll see you next time in the next episode. Bye for now. The Chain Reaction Podcast is written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage.